0: Would you like to know? Well, you should listen. Zoom,
1: Cron, week in review. Listen closely. Zoom,
0: Cron,
1: it's gonna help you.
0: Then think for yourself.
1: What? tell you,
0: from my perspective, in the
1: Zoom Cron, -cron. week in review, right now, here's
0: independent journalist, Travis Skink matteir Hello and welcome to another episode of Zoom Cron Week in Review. I'm your host Travis Williams I'm Gonna go through the week's posts and then the featured reading is pretty exciting. It's Rosa Corey. I'm not sure if I'm saying her name right, but that's how I'm gonna pronounce it. And it's a very relevant uh, excerpt from her long excerpt from her book Green Mask. So just stay tuned for that. But first, we got to get to some synchronicities on the day. For the Rockets Red Glare, because this past week was, of course, the 4th of July week, <clears throat> and I started off the, the week with some references to Psyop Cinema guys, those guys do an excellent job, and I'm now paying five bucks a month. I think that's I'm an MK often subscriber uh, temporarily for probably a couple months because I don't want to do that for the duration, but these guys are putting out such great content in analyzing mainstream pop culture, whether it's movies, Um, Ed Sheeran, and a band that I'm now becoming familiar with, who I'm not going to listen to because they're awful, uh, something about bringing the horizon, Uh, I I forget the name of the band, I'm probably sounding like an old guy to any young listeners out there, but um, very interesting stuff. So the PSYOP Cinema guys do great work, and they were breaking down with some help from these brothers who put out a book. I'm um, not remembering it off the top of my head, but I'm certainly going to be getting that book, I believe. Um, and they're, they're breaking down the movie Close Encounters. Richard Dreyfus. I kind of went off on a, on a very interesting tangent, which the post just sort of had a few data points um, touching on some personal stuff in terms of a book that I picked up, The Hunt for the Czar by Guy Richards. That book is looking at a different explanation of the supposed assassination of um, the Tsar's family. It was pretty brutal. I don't know the details in terms of the historic official narrative. And so I'm not gonna get too much into that. Just gonna be mentioning some of the data points that the post encompasses, like the Rolling Stone. Yeah, Rolling Stone. All the way back to uh, the 1978 edition. And this is, of course, the Rolling Stone in which a Jesus's Shroud, an article by Michael Thomas, was was featured in this edition of Rolling Stone by Dr. Kenneth Stevenson, not by, about Dr. Kenneth Stevenson. So Sean Stevenson's father, Sean Stevenson, of course, being uh, the man who was assaulted inside the Pavarella Center and then euthanized by the Missoula County Sheriff's Office. And interesting synchronicities surrounding Richard Dreyfus, his claim, uh, to fame actually being his great-great-aunt was a part of the assassination attempt or was it successful assassination of Alexander the Second back in like the turn of the tw- 19th century. It gets crazy. It really does. You have to go to the post if you want to get the actual details. It is late on a Friday night that I'm pushing through to, to get this recorded. I include a little image of my journal, um, because Close Encounters is something that I got a old copy of, of the book version and cut out some excerpts and put it into my journal. My journal, if you go through my moleskin, tiny moleskin journal, it is packed full of stickers and poems and very interesting stuff. might look a little creepy to just an uh, outside person that doesn't understand the deep, deep occult research that I've been doing for many years. But here I'm going to read this to you. This is from the Close Encounters book. Uh, book, the narrative. Four-year-old Barry Guiler was having a restless night. A gentle Indiana breeze floating through the half-open bedroom window ruffled his bangs. There was a soft but persistent whirring noise coming from somewhere in Barry's room, and it troubled his sleep. Suddenly, a soft red glow played over his face, and Barry's eyes opened. On the nightstand next to his bed, one of Barry's battered toys had somehow come on, It was a Frankenstein monster when it was, when it, when it raised its hands as if to strike out, its pants fell down and it blushed. What the fuck? Exactly. What the fuck, man? Um, Continuing, Barry sat up in bed staring at Frankenstein and then looked around the room. He had a lot of battery operated toys scattered about. A Sherman tank, a rocket ship, a police car with red dome light and siren, a model seven forty-seven, a drunk <laughs> hanging on to a lamppost and chugging from a bottle. And all of them were moving, flashing, worrying, all by themselves. Lord, Lord, Lord. Uh, Lord help us. Jesus, come down and actually start battling these motherfuckers for us, with us. Uh we need to be battling these motherfuckers ourselves. Um the Close Encounters breakdown includes the Psyop cinema guys and the brothers that wrote the book that I'm not remembering the title of at present, <clears throat> but it had something to do with Kantian invoking the beyond or something like that. Um, apparently, Richard Dreyfus really pushed for the part of the transcript transcript, uh, the part of the script where he um, joins the New Age woman and leaves his family and goes into the desert after he makes his famous, of course, mashed potatoes Devil's Tower replica. Um, Richard Dreyfus himself was very adamant that that was kept in the way it was. And so I guess Steven Spielberg was a little bit uh, on the fence, wasn't sure if he wanted to go that route. So Richard Dreyfus um, also has some connections to the mob. He's very boastful. And of course, when I'm mentioning rocket ships and Richard Dreyfus later in his career, plays astronaut, uh, plays the, um, I think this is a fiction. So, but it's called Astronaut is the name of the movie. Obviously I'm thinking of Jack Parsons. Rockets, lordy, lordy, rockets, red glare. How appropriate, right? For the day before 4th of July. 4th of July, I simply put out a, well, not simply, I wrote, recorded, then made a music video It's called The Apology Song, and I'm not going to say a lot about it. I'm just going to let the song speak for itself. I will say that, of course, art is how I process strong emotions. Okay, and then we go into a post about the coroner inquest process. So Montana's coroner inquest process is terrible, and this year's legislative action only pretends to make it more transparent, was the title of the post on July 5th. Should definitely go and read it. There's lots of information and quotes and a picture of Matt Jennings. He's a deputy county attorney. This uh, post in- inspired someone to reach out, and I hope to connect and, and get more insight on background. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's happening. And one of the things that I continue to be interested in, um, there's multiple people I'm, I've been running into. Some of these coroner's inquests, you know what? The situations are still raw in a lot of ways. And so while the coroner's inquest process may officially tie off culpability or non-culpability in a criminal sense, because that's the the standard that's having to be met, and I say that because I've actually sat through multiple coroner's inquest processes, um, the unresolved stuff does still exist. So even though legally, I guess I'll say legally, um, there should be <laughs> alleged resolution. Oh man, it just continues to be messy, but a lot of links. I wanna just mention a lot of links at the post on July fifth. So make sure to check that out. Uh, because the Missoulian, you know, kudos to getting into some of that. Um keeping the fire burning <clears throat> tiny little flame, you know, candle flame. <clears throat> you know, they're they're doing their best. So excuse me, I'm gonna have to potentially pause here in a moment and get some water if my throat remains scratchy moving on um, we've got some more culture analysis some more mass culture analysis exploring a film wizard named Christopher that's the name of the post there's a nice picture of Christopher Nolan I actually wasn't really familiar with what he looked like and the protagonist in the movie Tenet which I watched on the 4th of July as shit was blowing up outside that's what I watched. For those of you not familiar with Christopher Nolan, he had movies like Memento in two thousand one, Interstellar two thousand fourteen, also The Prestige two thousand six, Inception. Lots of very interesting movies. Lots of stuff involving time. Tenant involves objects that can be inverted. I'm not going to even try and get into explaining. Uh, A GQ article I quote from does an actual pretty good job of describing the plot and the whole mechanism of inversion when it relates to objects and then people. And then it just gets very confusing. But time is moving backwards against entropy. Um, This is a technology from the future that's been devised and then weaponized. The scientist that devised this technology killed herself and then sent in nine broken pieces something called the algorithm um, back into time. Back in space. Back in space and time. Uh, not Back to the Future. That's a different movie. But it all sort of interrelates to questions of broken time. The Manhattan Project comes up, I believe. Yep. Uh, and then Oppenheimer is mentioned. And that is very significant because Oppenheimer is the movie that is going to be coming out July 21st. July 21st is a significant date because that's Sean Stevenson's birthday. Wow, 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 wow. Aren't you glad you're listening to this podcast because I don't think I actually included the Sean Stevenson, um, it being his birthday in the post. So that is the extra information, extra synchronicity for listening to the audio, me talking version. Let us move on to the next post. We have another picture of Guy Baker to endure and the name of this post, the title, When Searching for an Algorithm, (laughs) leads to a resolved missing persons case with a theme I've heard before. Law enforcement needs help. That's the truth from my perspective. And I get into my confusion of the jurisdictions, district court, municipal court, um, pre-release, probation and parole, um, pre-trial supervision, enhanced supervision, all kinds of stuff going on different jurisdictions. It gets very confusing. I try and break it down a bit because the important thing I'm going to tell you about is that a request for a proposal was issued. It was called for by the county commissioners. I'm not sure which one wants to um, take a look at potentially having a third-party vendor come and do what Missoula Correctional Services is doing right now. One of the things I'm looking into is the continued leadership of the pre-release center by uh, Sue Wilkins. I'm Sue Wilkins is still there. It's amazing to me. Uh, her name came up somewhat critically back when I was part of the Mayor's Downtown Advisory Commission, and that was like 2014. So we're talking like a decade ago. Um, by the way, in unrelated news, lots of older people have been retiring from their positions, like Kim Luttrell, um, other people, uh, Jim New- or not Jim Nugent, yes, Mike Nugent is running for mayor. Jim Nugent is the dinosaur fossil guy that actually has retired and left the building officially. Um, There was, I think, a Missoula Current article about that. Good job, Martin. Uh, I'm really getting distracted, and this is the last post I need to discuss, so I'm going to try and stay focused and say some intelligent things, right? I hope so. Um, One of the, the things in terms of my looking for an algorithm, I did not expect, right? I did not expect to see a missing person flyer. And then I called the phone number, talked to the mom, and then talked to the dad. The kid has been found. He was going to a, a boarding school program. And I'm not going to get into a lot of the details because ultimately the dad was nice enough to speak to me because he's a crazy, like, not crazy. He is a intense ballistics expert that helps states like Texas really up their game in understanding the ballistic risk they're facing. So the, the guy is impressive. He works with some pretty high-level state government officials, uh, FBI, um, U.S. Marshals, some other entities that he is, uh, has had some interfacing, inter- interactions with, engagement. I think I think this guy engages. When he, he doesn't talk, he engages. And he really thinks Montana law enforcement needs some help. They need some help with Snapchat. And the protocol for getting some specific information from Snapchat that would have been helpful in a timely manner for a sheriff's office or a police office, police entity, uh, for them to make the request of Snapchat. And so this guy knew the process and was able to help law enforcement. And he really thinks there needs to be training. Um, yeah, there needs to be more training. Our state legislative process, really, I think lost some opportunities. Hopefully there's some things that are happening that I'm just, you know, not aware of. I'm sure there's plenty of happening, plenty of stuff happening that I'm not aware of, but um, the more I listened to both the mother and the father describe their experiences, the more I realized things were very similar, you know, like someone goes on vacation and it, like it was the, their case. And if they go on vacation, everything stops. That needs to not happen, you know, pass it off to someone else that can be a point of contact that can answer a phone, for fuck's sake, man. Um, Of course, I have to mention Jermaine Charlotte And I get into the transcripts, actually, of the first episode of Stolen by Connie Walker and get into basically how Connie was conned, in my opinion, just my opinion. Connie was conned by Detective Guy Baker, by Lil' Holcalter, And I show how there are similar sounding things to what this family described to me. Again, this family was nice enough to talk to me on background. They want help for law enforcement, uh, help for families, so there's not more uh, situations like Rebecca Barsadi's case. We need help in Montana, especially this time of year, you know, tourist season. We don't want the tourists to start feeling unsafe because some basic things with investigations and bodies, I'm thinking here, Joey Thompson, come on, we can do better. You need help. So this post has some information. It is a good thing to check out. And I think the blog, I should probably mention, zoomcron.com, Z-O-O-M-C-H-R-O, N as in Nancy, or N as in nutcase, or uh, N as in whatever N word you might want to throw out there. Um, You have to be careful, obviously, with that letter in some words. But check out the blog. You really should. And then you can stay listening if you want to hear... Uh, a really interesting excerpt from Rosa Corey's Green Mask. That's coming up next. And then I take my ukulele, and uh, the previous poem that I read as a poem is now somewhat of a ukulele song. It just it seems to happen. And luckily, sometimes I hit the record button at the right time, and it it is what it is. So thank you for listening. Um, I'm your host, Travis Williams, Skink Mater. This is Zoom Cron Week in Review. We were checking out the posts from July 3rd through July 7th. Stay tuned, stay paying attention. Even if you're not in Zoomtown, which is Missoula, Montana, there are things that you can extrapolate from what we're dealing with here. There are trends, there are definite important things we're looking into. So a lot of stuff coming up next week. Thank you for the support. Good night. Okay, welcome to the book reading portion of Zoom Cron Week in Review. This is reviewing the week of July 3rd through the 7th, and because I attended a neighborhood riverfront meeting this week, I'm going to choose Rosa Corey's book, Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda 21, as the book to read from for today. So. For those of you that don't know Rosa Corey, I went to Wicca Spooks to find her little uh, sort of bio, and I'm going to read this. This is actually very interesting. This is the first time I've read this, um, so listen up from her official bio. Rosa Corey <clears throat> is a forensic commercial real estate appraiser specializing in eminent domain valuation. Her 28-year career as an expert witness on land use has culminated in exposing the impacts of sustainable development on private property rights and individual liberty. Over the course of a legal challenge, Corey became aware of the source of the planning revolution she had observed over more than 10 years, UN Agenda 21. Through her research, she found that much of the funding to implement local UN Agenda 21 sustainable development land use programs comes through the diversion of property taxes to redevelopment agencies.
1: Ding, ding, ding.
0: (laughs) Her work in providing information and solutions for communities fighting UN Agenda 21 has spread across the nation as more and more people become aware of the increased restrictions on their property rights and the methods used to implement social engineering. Now, Rosa Corey died May 30th, 2021, and that was a kind of a big shocker. She had lung cancer, and of course there is speculation about the nature of that illness that she experienced, but um, her book is an invaluable resource. It's a tool that that I've definitely written about and thought about as people like Monica Perez have looked into 15-minute cities is one of the new terms being thrown about, and right now Paris has actually done quite a lot to implement some of these ideas and, and protocols. Of course, France is burning to the ground currently, so I'm not sure what uh, what's going to stick in terms of what they're trying to do across the pond, but here in humble little Missoula, yeah, you got to connect these dots, and so I'm going to read from her book, Behind the Green Mask. This is from page 45 this is where I'm going to start and uh, the subtitle is, so what exactly are we talking about? Okay, how do these rules actually get enacted and where can you find them? Here's a question we frequently receive on our website. Our county, city, village, township, province is making a comprehensive plan now. What is that? Is it related to agenda 21? So that's the question and the response. Yes, a comprehensive plan is also called a general plan here it's called a master plan, and is generally mandated slash required by state law. It is a long-range plan for the physical development of the jurisdiction that is prepared every 20 years and is usually updated every five years, in addition to some occasional amendments. It may be called Your Town 2020 or 2035 or something similar. You get it from your community development slash planning department. You can often find it online, and you should take a long look at it You may find direct quotes from UN Agenda 21 in the goals section. Remember the Delphi technique? You'll recall that it was first used on Americans to get them to accept the idea of mapping their communities and dictating where and what development could occur. General plans. The law requires specific contents of the general plan. So an example like transportation, biological resources, community development, energy, and our personal favorite, the socioeconomic element. The socioeconomic element will generally include community participation, in parentheses, Delphi meetings, public safety, in parentheses, community-oriented policing, environmental justice, or curbing or eliminating industry, child care, or child endangerment, uh, slash family law, education, slash, or in parentheses, indoctrination, economy, picking winners and losers, that's something I actually said at the Neighborhood meeting on Thursday, Parks and Recreation, and in parentheses, bike lanes. The 2020 and 2035 general plans will identify the rights of the community as balancing environmental protection with the needs of present and future residents for housing, jobs, and recreation, and on the need for transportation options to reduce dependence on automobile use. This is a quote from Marin Countywide Plan General Plan in Marin County, California. Note the word balancing. That's a key jargon word for communitarians. You'll recall that it means that your individual rights are not as important and will be disregarded for the community's rights. Then they have a symbol here. This is a symbol of UN Agenda 21, the interlocking circles of ecology, economy, and social equity. Where they meet is sustainable development. This particular image is from the Marin County, California General Plan. Does your general plan use the UN logo? The general plan is the method, the document, the comprehensive design for living that is imposed upon us. It forms the framework for many of the restrictive laws and regulations that strangle opportunity for all but the chosen few. It is a land use plan, but it extends far beyond the boundaries of property lines into the life decisions we make. Remember, it is an energy and transportation plan too. The general plan slash comprehensive plan is adopted by your municipality after lots of Delphi meetings where the public is invited and those who are team players and toadies are identified and honored as community leaders so that they can speak for you. Those who raise objections are also identified. Yes, they are. The general plan will be used to deny property owners the right to use their land as it was previously zoned. Here's how they do it. You may already know that if the city or county is going to change your zoning, it's required to notify you first, but the underlying document that takes precedence over zoning is the general plan. You don't need to be notified when the general plan is changed because it's general and your property is not the only one that's use is changing. The general plan is the visionary document that shows how the city or county would like its land use to be in the future, even if it's different from that now. When you go into the community development slash planning department to, for instance, add on to your commercial building or make some improvements to your apartment building or even build a new building on your vacant lot, you'll get a shock because the general plan requires that all zoning be brought into compliance with it. If the new vision of your area is different from your current zoning, then this is absolutely true. The, the montane buildings um, on the hip strip in, here in Missoula, that's one of the reasons why that building is in total disrepair, because if one area of it gets fixed up, then everything has to be brought up to code. And that for that particular building is incredibly expensive. So that locally is an example of this. You'll be told your property is now legally non-conforming. This is jargon that means that you're not going to be able to make those improvements or build what you thought you could. In most municipalities, if your building burns down or needs repairs, over more than 50% of the total, you won't be able to do the work to restore it as it was. If your non-conforming use is discontinued for more than six months, you typically will lose the right to reinstate that, that use. That's it. Over. You're grandfathered in, as we say, but only while your existing use continues. This is a big deal. Why? Because if you're in the middle of your town or city, chances are your land has been redesignated as mixed-use or transit village. (laughs) So an example of this, the Pink Grizzly here in Missoula still operates under county zoning code, I believe, because of the the long and continued use by the Klaus, Klaus family. Um, and that's really kind of in the heart of Missoula, um, not the heart of Missoula, but pretty close within the, the urban city municipality. Uh, that is smart growth, high density, mixed use. Oh, yay. They use this term. Thank you, Rosa. This is hilarious. As we discussed earlier, this kind of construction is expensive to build, hard to get financing on and might bankrupt you before you're done with it, especially if you're not well connected politically. Wow. And even if you are one of the crony developers, it's a shark tank, and you might find yourself feeding the bigger guys if they have their eye on your property. One of the things to remember about those high-density developments is that they are big condominium or apartment house projects. Big. Sometimes they'll be required to build 80 units to the acre, which looks like a four-story building with ground-floor parking and retail space on a city block. That's what the term high-density means. These can be huge. If you're just a little guy, you can't line up the funding for this in the same way that you could if you were building 20 houses on that same lot instead of 80 condos. Condos usually sell from the top down. In other words, the top floor with the better views sells faster and for more money. But you have to build the whole building at once. You can't build the top floor first, so instead of building five houses first and then the next ones after you've sold those, you're hugely in debt before you get anywhere near the roof. If you're in a redevelopment area, you're ripe for eminent domain, and if no projects are happening at the moment, you can consider yourself the holding company for some favored developer who will come along later and get the city to take your property at a discount because it's legally non-conforming and, get this, blighted. Discount? Yes. Your property will be worth less or even worthless because the risk will be higher for a lender or buyer. Investment is all about risk and return. The best combination for an investor is a low risk and high return. If your property is legally non-conforming, then the risk increases that it can't be rebuilt if it burns, or that the city won't allow the current use to continue if a tenant moves out, or that if extensive repairs need to be made, it will have to be demolished instead. As I mentioned, most cities have a rule that if a use is non-conforming and the use is discontinued for more than six months, you won't be able to get a new use permit for that. So for example, if you have a non-conforming, specialized manufacturing building and you lose your tenant for more than six months, you may have to tear down your building. Banks will demand a higher interest rate and higher down payment on higher risk property. Your property value drops. Why would someone pay the same amount for your place that they would for a property that doesn't have these issues? They won't. Uncertainty in what it can be used for is a shadow on your property and will affect your insurance, your potential tenant mix, your financing, your partnership options, and your chances of selling. This can be the case for all property types, both improved and vacant. And you may not even have known this until you tried to get a loan. Do you find this boring? Rosa is actually pretty awesome. I love this. Do you find this boring? You shouldn't. Most small businesses are started with money obtained from home equity or commercial equity lines of credit. If you can't get a loan, you can't start or continue your business. If you can't start your business, you may be unemployed or underemployed working for someone else. You have less opportunity, less freedom, and less flexibility in your employment choices. Psst, want to hear a secret? When an area is declared blighted and becomes a redevelopment area, one of the criteria used by consultants for that initial designation is that there are too many local businesses there. Blight is a jargon term that is defined in your state health and safety code and refers to two categories, economic and physical. Part of the economic element says that not enough sales tax revenue is being generated in the area. Typically smaller businesses generate less tax revenue than larger national chains. The consultant who your city essentially pays to find <coughs> pays to find blight where it, Whether it's there or not, we'll say that too many local businesses are dragging down the whole town. They're in older buildings that they own and don't pay a lot of property tax. So your city says, out with the old, in with the new. Kind of like Aaron Wagner's condos. Wags capital, anyone? Create a code enforcement unit in the building department to harass property owners. Refuse to allow facade improvements. Unless, of course, you have the Missoula Redevelopment Agency's Facade Improvement Program which gives uh, businesses like the Radius Gallery $100,000 to improve the building next door that they bought during the pandemic. True story. Um, Let's see. Refuse to allow facade improvements. Let the area run down. Rezone it for mixed use. Fire up the local community leaders to demand that a new vision be enforced. Declare it blighted. Take property under eminent domain. Give it to crony developer pals or to government-subsidized low-income housing builders. (laughs) Demolish the old mom and pop businesses. Rebuild to the new model with a Quiznos, Juice, Starbucks, Panda Express, Kinko's, and Payless Shoes with two or three stories of apartments above. Rents will go up. Property taxes will go up. That's the vision. This only works in a boom time, as you're seeing now with the collapse of the economy. Wow. Let's keep this going for a bit longer. Okay. Wonder why every town looks like every other town? This is Pushed by the National League of Cities and the National Association of Counties with workshops, trainings, and sales pitches from redevelopment associations. That's why. And the property taxes get diverted away from your local, county, and state coffers for 30 to 45 years into the bond broker's pockets. UN Agenda 21 benefits big corporations. The cities need to be sure that those bonds will get paid off so they don't want to take their chances with the local business. Those apartments and condos are often built by huge national corporations like LISC and Enterprise Community Development, each of them builders of 280,000 units with investments and leverage of over $11 billion. And this was written a while back, and so I'm sure that a lot of this uh, information has definitely changed. Um, here's a little sidebar on Enterprise Community Development with a nonprofit and a for-profit division, ooh, I've heard that before, and lots of expertise at building low-income units nationwide. This is sounding like blue line development. Enterprise profits hugely from redevelopment subsidies. Who partners with Enterprise, Bike Coalitions, Thunderhead Alliance, now called People Powered Movement, is a lobbying group that has hundreds of member bike coalitions, bike shops, and consultants in its ranks. (laughs) Oh, I love this. They also had Tim May of Enterprise Community Development sitting on their board of directors. When those groups go down to the planning department to holler for smart growth, there is a financial incentive. How many of the helmets and spandex crowd, Rosa, I love you, um, how many of the helmets and spandex crowd know they're being manipulated by their board of directors and development corporations who are making billions from our tax dollars? Low-income housing equals social equity equals big money for huge corporate developers. Hey, who wouldn't want grants of 300000 a unit for low-income apartments when houses are selling for $150,000 or sitting vacant? In the new green world, sprawl is evil. Legislation against suburbs is increasing. The cul-de-sac is the devil's spawn. In California, Senate Bill 375 is the anti-sprawl bill that combines with Assembly Bill 32, Greenhouse Gases, to legislate UN Agenda 21. Federal and state transportation dollars go to development and infrastructure for smart growth. Here's the justification, the green mask, according to newurbanism.org. Now this is great, so this is a long quote. Our quality of life keeps getting worse as we are constantly stuck in traffic. Our ugly, car-dominated environment is highly stressful extremely unhealthy from the constant toxic exhaust fumes we breathe daily and very deadly from the endless car accidents. This stressful environment takes its toll on us in countless ways, increased stress and rage, more alcoholism and drug abuse, rising divorce rates, rising rates of cancer and other environmental diseases and a general dissatisfaction with our lives. In addition, major health organizations point to the fact that a high percentage of Americans have serious health problems due to being overweight. This is caused primarily by the lazy lifestyle sprawl dictates with little or no walking or exercise as part of our daily routines. Sprawl is not inevitable. It is not an unavoidable symptom of modern growth. Sprawl is the direct result of specific government transportation choices and policies combined with archaic zoning laws. Wow, what don't they blame on suburbs? And did you catch that zinger, archaic zoning laws? That means that they favor changing general plans so that you can't build anything but smart growth and only where they say you can. The new kid on the block is infrastructure financing districts, IFDs, kind of like the urban renewal districts, uh, URDs, that go hand in hand with anti-sprawl legislation and don't need a blight finding. Ooh. Although there is no power of eminent domain for private use, as in redevelopment, there are ways to use an infrastructure project like a street redesign to take property for a public use under eminent domain. The real news is that they can be used to pay for high-density residential development, smart growth. It's the sustainable community strategy. No vote of the taxpayer is needed to obtain bonds, and the payback period is 40 years. How's that for not compromising the citizens of the future by actions taken today? Is that sustainable? And I think I will leave it there. Um, Behind the Green Mask, UN Agenda Agenda 21, the Agenda for the 21st Century Sustainable Development, written by Rosa Corey. Um, You spell her name R-O-S-A-K-O-I-R-E, which means I may have been mispronouncing it the whole time. Um, But this is truly a absolutely fascinating book and one that I'm very, very happy to have in my collection. At some point, I will get more active with pitching and promoting my brick-and-book media nook, maybe even later in July. I do have something that I'm planning for July 21st. It's a special day for a lot of reasons. I will get more into that in the next week or so, but please stay tuned to zoomcron.com. You've been listening to me, Travis Williams-Kinkmint reading from Behind the Green Mask. This is a weekly review. It's going to be now links... In the, in the blog post, a quick sort of discussion by me, maybe some interviews at some point, and then hopefully a nice book excerpt reading to fill it all out. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for supporting my independent journalism. It is more important now than ever to have an independent voice helping to educate people about what's actually happening out there. Stay tuned. All right, this is my Jack and Jim ode, but with a ukulele i am jack i am jim
1: echoing a deranged hymn pronoun wars you fucking bores spirit soup just mix it in under lego rocket sits a mythic con for movie shit fuck the science fiction cloak Fuck the blood and organ smoke, H.G. Wells, Shelley's beast, fuck the famine of occulted feasts, Elron Red Dong, fuck the bells, Pavlov's slobber, fuck their hells, where they place their cattle, us, and lobotomize, if there's a fuss with stupid stories of nanodust. Come on, people, check your guts and ask yourself, just ask yourself. Who do you trust? Certainly I'm not asking you to trust me because Targeted fables gain stock lives Elon puts minds into hives. Predictive fun, you love the show You sit before a bad blue glow And manifest and co-create With shipwrecked brains that can't relate anymore It's natural things When uploading timelines hit quantum strings I'm looking at you, Donnie. You can't relate, man. Those quantum strings are being strum, 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 strum. The fitted shirts, the pile of hurts, charm of mamas and dads who flirt. Kiddo, can I sell your junk and prime libidos for that trunks? Shock clogging, evil maps, and motherfuckers with many hats who avatar. With cartoon glee, the right kills god. The left just me. <laughs> Do what thou wilt, right? Right, Alistair? Is that why stars are so lonely? Is that why AI won't cry and works for free?
0: I got my eye on you, AI, and on Sunsky
1: Jack. Moonsick Jill Stopped to fuck Upon the hill But only after Popping pills With blackjack orbs And wombs that kill Jack, how bad In 46 A big old rip You couldn't fix Then in June Of 52 The movie bang And away You Blew Away you Blew But I don't think you knew And I don't think it's necessarily a war between the Christian and the Jew. I don't. But books and bricks, I build and build. Buy more high scores, nothing fills. Skin to fullness, so I float. To bite my tongue, and so no oats. Is it working or will you spill? The drips of fire, blood refills. But I'm not Jack, nor am I Jill. I don't quack or swim with fins. Crows that lie And loves that craft God, I'm tired they fucked up math Slow to plus But fast subtracts This from that And you from me Like I used to live On melody But somehow, Lord I've come to mount With phone. I pan and pan Like it's Friday At quadruple X On eight wheels And dress my just the shit I spit ain't for the faint These days it's fuck your noise complaints. These days it's fuck, fuck, fuck your noise complaint That's right, sun sky jack and moonsick Jill I'm not Jack, but am I Jill? Let's go have a drink. Ah, no.
0: That's a different gym. I do need a drink of water. Naughty, naughty boys.